Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. So good to be with you guys. Um, if you're new and you're like, who is this guy? Um, I'm the location pastor here. And uh, like uh, Joel said, Brian, our lead pastor, is with our church in uh, Joplin. And we're going to be continuing in our series in Galatians today. And, um, and we, if you've been with us, you know we've been walking through this book. We've been walking through the book of Galatians. And so um, I'm going to give you a little backstory on myself to start out. Start out. Um, not originally from St. Louis, so I'm sorry if that makes any of you sad. Um, grew up in Lee Summit. Grew up in Lee Summit uh, most of my life. Moved to St. Louis in 2003 to uh, come to college. Um, adapted very quickly to being a Cardinals fan. I could never part ways with the Chiefs. I'm sorry. I was very, very much a diehard Chiefs fan still. So excited for football. You know, in all the other services, I had at least one person say woohoo to the Chiefs. No one, there's no one, no one in here. Come on, come on. There's gotta be someone. Um, Diehard Chiefs fan, but listen, I love St. Louis. I was mad at the Cardinals for losing last night after Wainwright pitched such a good game. But um, I went to Maryville University, that's where I went to college, and um, I would not have gotten into college without my parents providing the way. I was very blessed, very, uh, very blessed. My parents, like they made it financially possible for me uh, to come to college. And uh, so I, I moved to St. Louis and I remember I had one of these nights. Here I was, I was, I was walking in a, a new experience that I'd never had before. It was one of the first few nights I was in my college dorm. I remember sitting on my bed and I had this profound, just lightning bulb moment. Changed my life. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night, and I was not really wanting to go to bed. I was trying to think about what to do. And then it just hit me. I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> I can do anything. If I want to leave at 2 o'clock in the morning to go get Taco Bell, I can do that. If I want to stay out all night, if I want to uh, sleep in all morning, like there was this, this level of this newfound freedom that I had at college that I had never experienced before. And it was strange. And I did not handle it well. I'm just gonna tell you that. I did not, I did not handle my newfound freedom. I needed help. I needed someone to be like, hey, David, get it in check, get it in gear, like just focus on what you're supposed to do. I needed that, because by the end of the first semester, I was on academic probation. Like it was not good for me. Uh, but don't worry, I made it through, I got it all in check, but I needed help, I really did. I had newfound freedom, I didn't know what to do with it. And we've been walking through this letter with the Apostle Paul that he's written to the church in Galatia, and he is writing to them because the church in Galatia, they have a newfound freedom. They have a, they have a better newfound freedom. They have a newfound freedom in Jesus Christ. Paul was with them, he preached the gospel. If you've been with us over the last couple of months, you know that we have been just uh, every Sunday, it feels like hammering away the message of grace, that God has saved us, died for us, set us free. We inherit a relationship, receive a relationship with him because of what he has done for us. And it's all grace. It's all him. He gets all the glory. And that is good news for us. 
That is good news for us. And this church in Galatia, they had received the gospel. They put their faith in Jesus. They are forgiven new living people in Jesus. They have been set free. Praise God. That's their story. That's your story if you're in Christ today. You are, if you are in Christ, you are forgiven and set free. Hallelujah. That's good news. And we need to remind ourselves of that good news. It's essential. That is a foundational truth that we can never get away from. We should wake up every day and remind ourselves, oh man, I'm not that good. Maybe I wasn't that good last night. But today, God is great every minute of every day. And he has forgiven me. He has forgiven my sins. He has set me free. I am new. I am not what I do. I am his son or his daughter by, because of what he has done. He died for my sins on the cross. He has set me free. We need to preach that over ourselves every single day if you are in Christ. Because we forget it. We stray from that truth and that reality. We have Freedom in Christ. And what Paul's gonna do for us today, he's gonna answer the question, okay, now that we have freedom, now that we have received this freedom from Christ and we're living in the now but not yet because there is an eternity coming, what do we do now? What do we do now? How do we live in this newfound freedom? And Paul is kind of doing a mid-semester check-in on the Galatians and he is concerned by what he sees and what he finds. In fact, if you remember uh, back in chapter three of Galatians, we're in chapter five, he says, hey, you started in the spirit. You Galatians, you started in the spirit. Are you now going to finish in the flesh? Are you now going to finish? Are you so foolish to think that's how it works? What is, and what he's saying is like, listen, you have received a gospel that you did not deserve, that you could never earn. You have received something, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit made it known to you, revealed it to you. That's how you begin your life in God. Now, now what's going on? Now what's happening in Galatia? What's happening is that now we had these Judaizers come in. These brothers came to the Galatians and they said, hey, well done on believing in Jesus. I believe in Jesus too. Way to go. Now, if you really wanna make God happy, if you really wanna walk in all that he has for you, if you really want to receive all the blessing and all that he has for you, then to be in that place, you just need to adopt the Mosaic law and our Jewish customs and traditions. So it's faith in Jesus plus believing or walking in step with the Mosaic law. Now, I know that none of you probably popped out of bed today and thought, you know what I really need to do today? I'm feeling really tempted, really challenged to come to walk in the Mosaic law. Like, you probably don't identify with that temptation. I'd love to have a conversation with you if you do. I would be very interested. But here's the thing. We may not identify which is with this temptation, which the Galatians were truly being led into this. They're like, okay, well, yeah. Well, if this is how we get to God, if this is how we make God happy, if this has how we walk in the fullness of God and we walk in our freedom, then yeah, like we'll believe in Jesus and we'll just, we'll add this into our, into our walk too. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Anything, anything, anything that is Jesus plus anything, fill in the blank, Mosaic law, uh, read your Bible five times a day, whatever the thing is that you add, like you, in order to make God happy, you've got to believe this and do this, you have left the gospel. You've left the gospel. And that's why Paul is so angsty with the Galatians 
And he's saying, how can you guys believe this? This is not the message I taught you. This is not walking with the Spirit. And here's what Paul does in chapter five is Paul is getting at the heart of what we long for, which is the, what we long for is we long for freedom. We long for freedom. And we want to find that freedom by any means possible. And so for the Galatians, all right, Jesus plus Mosaic law, plus this, this, that, or the other, okay, that's gonna get us freedom. They want a good thing. Actually, it's not a bad thing. They're too long for freedom. They want a good thing. They wanna get to a good place. They just were doing it outside of the boundaries of the gospel. And all of us, let's not get judgmental of the Galatians because all of us are capable of being misled. All of us are capable of believing a lie. All of us are capable of getting off track. And what Paul does in this text is he puts before us basically what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna call two paths, okay? We're gonna look at these, these, these things as two paths that he puts before us. And one of them he called works of the flesh. One of them is walking with the spirit. He says these things are opposed to one another, okay? So they don't both increase in our life. They are opposed to one another. If one is increasing, the other is decreasing, that is how it works. They are in opposition to one another and they both promise freedom. There's something in your life that is promising you freedom that you are looking to right now. The question is, what is that thing? And we're gonna look at, we're gonna jump into verse 19. We're gonna look at these two lists that Paul gives us in this text. In verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a lot to unpack in this text. We're not gonna get to everything and every facet of it, but what I hope, what I hope for us is that we, at the end of this, will be grounded in, in, in rooted in wanting to walk our life out with the Spirit. Paul says that if you do these things, one thing to point out in this verse, Paul says if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. When, he, uh, when you look at the Greek, when you look at, basically there's an agreement among commentators who study this passage in the Greek word, it's actually probably better interpreted as persists, as one being devoted, unchanging, unrepentant in their course. Those who are committed to these things, they are committed to the, this pathway being what they, that, what they believe will ultimately lead to their freedom. That's one pathway. Another pathway is walking down the path with the Spirit. And this is what he says this walking with the Spirit looks like or will result in. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And one thing I wanna point out is this. Paul is not, not giving us two lists so that we can be fixated on our behavior, okay? This is not a naughty and nice list. This isn't like, okay, you've got your two lists, now go do better, go do better. Go you know, walk down the list that is the right one, okay? 
and we're not, we're also not jumping from one list to the other. Like we're like, we're not like back and forth, back and forth. Like this is, this is what Paul is doing us, doing is he's giving a list of characteristics. He's giving us a list of characteristics that will mark our life and will actually reveal to us the object and affection of our heart. We are overfixated on behavior. That's why we get to the end of every sermon and we're like, okay, now what do we do? What do I do? We want to know what we have to do. We are overfixated on behavior, and it's so important that we pause and, and just need to take in the reality that God is fixated on the condition of your heart. He is fixated on seeing you walk in increasing freedom in relationship with him. That is his concern. And I'll tell you what, I'm a dad. I've got four daughters, ages four to 11. Um, I'll, I'll just confess to you, I, I, I am... I am much more concerned about curbing a behavior in my child than I am addressing where their heart is. I realize this about myself, and this is something like I want, I want, to, see, I want to see changed because I've got four beautiful, wonderful, sweet daughters. And I know you would never believe this, but sometimes they don't tell me the truth. It's hard to believe. You've seen them in the lobby. Now listen, this is my knee-jerk reaction. Let's just play this out hypothetically, okay? Hypothetically, if one of them lies to me, my knee-jerk reaction is to tell them that was wrong, this is what you should have done, and this is the consequence you are going to get for doing that thing that you shouldn't have done. And the longer I'm a dad and the older my girls get, the more I realize how desperately I need to get past the behavior into their heart. Because I can maybe curb a behavior, but if I curb a behavior, if I give them a consequence that makes them maybe think about lying to me the next time, I've done nothing to address what's going on inside of them. Because inside of them, there is something happening that has eternal value. There is something that they are believing that when they had a decision to tell me the truth or tell me a lie, they had a decision to make and their, their, their conclusion, whatever they believe led them, it is better to tell a lie in this situation. They're believing something. And I want to, if, you know, for my daughters, I want to get past the behavior and I want to get to whatever anxious, insecure lie that they're believing inside of them that thinks that lying is somehow better. And listen, God is the same way with us. He sees your behavior. And so often we let that be the watering mark, our behavior be the watering mark of us approaching him and coming near to him. And God wants you to know he sees past your behavior and he sees to the condition of your heart and he adores you and he loves you and he wants you to experience increasing freedom in him. That's what he has for you. He cares about you more deeply than your external behavior. We gotta get a hold of that. We need to walk with that. We need to believe that. It is not, Paul is not giving us two lists to simply adjust our behavior and go do the right thing. If we could all go do the right thing, we would just 
do it. But we can't. We can't in and of ourselves. I mean, isn't that what Jesus says? He says, hey, abide in me, I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do something? No. He says, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from me. We can't skip past God and go straight to the behavior. That's not, Paul wants us to see this list, these things that are a result of walking with the Spirit. And first, I wanna take a quick look and consider the path of the flesh. The path of the flesh, the path, the works of the flesh that Paul puts before us. And I almost debated calling this the path of self. Um, I think it could be listed as that path of flesh because basically when you work these things out underneath the surface of the behavior, underneath the, the work of the flesh is a heart, is a mindset, is a belief that we can figure it out, we can go the right way, we can do the right thing, we can discover our freedom apart from God. Call it self-fulfillment, self-realization, self-truth. I mean, our culture is dripping, is dripping with this. And you know what? Our culture would even say, hey, it's so great that you have Jesus. Just keep your Jesus over there. I've got my recipe that will get me to my freedom. You keep your Jesus. But here's the way that our, the world tells you you're gonna be happy. They say, listen, this is what you need to be happy. This is just drip fed to us every single day. Find what makes you happy. And when you find what makes you happy, then you're gonna be free. Then you're gonna be happy. Then you're gonna have peace. Then you're gonna have joy. And even though there is story after story, life after life, case after case, all through our culture that would testify, Christian or not, that would say, I wanted this career, I wanted this job, I wanted this money, I wanted this relationship, I wanted to be this gender, I wanted to have sex with this, I want, 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 want. And they got what they wanted only to discover they aren't satisfied. And the lie that we believe, the lie that we believe is, hey, you just gotta go to the next thing. You gotta find what really makes you happy. And we look to ourselves. We look that when we go down the work, when the works of the flesh are becoming evident in our life, it's because we are going down a path where we think if we have what makes us happy, we will find our freedom. And lots of us, lots of us buy into this or are affected by it. Or, or have it in, you know, we have it to degrees. Like there, this is all around us. The world tells you to go and discover your freedom. God says, come and walk with me and I will reveal to you your purpose and you will experience freedom. I'm gonna take a quick look at some of these works of the flesh and how they play out. Verse 19, I think we'll have this on the screen. Verse 19, first three works of the flesh deal with sexual relationships. Some of these things are good. Some of these things on this list are not good. Sex is good. It's created by God. It's good. But when it's used for our self-happiness, when we use it as a medium to get our freedom, it's devastating. 
and it's broken and it ruins people. When we use it outside of the context that God wants us to. And then he says, there is idol worship and there is uh, sorcery or witchcraft, which is just going to something outside of God, right? We want answers, we want direction, we want clarity. We go to something outside of God to get that. And I think it's really important to, to take a look at like right in the heart of this text, this next list of things. Because these are like community sins. These are, these are things that kill community. And he says this, he says, enmity, en- oh, I can't say that word, guys. Enmity, feelings of hostility, that's what it is. Strife, anger, bitterness, jealousy, internal desire for what others have, fits of angers, feelings of angers coming from within and out onto those around us. Listen, all these things, all these things are things that are in us. They're in us. And that's important to to realize because listen, the world will tell you, you don't have the thing that makes you happy because of the external circumstances around you. You're not the problem, the world is the problem. You're not the problem, your job is the problem. You're not the problem, your spouse is the problem. The problem exists outside of you. So I don't think it's coincidental that Paul takes these things that are inside of us, that are self-focused, and he, and he wants us to see the problem is in here. It's in here. It's in my heart. I'm jealous because you have what I want. I'm angry because you're not doing what I want. And these internal things spill out onto the people around us. And he, then he gets into dissensions and rivalries and division. The outworking of those things is community is torn down. Factions rise up. Everyone has their own little people group that looks just like them, that supports their ideas and their ways of thinking. I mean, church, what an opportunity. I mean, our, our world is full of division. Can you, I mean, think about this. What an opportunity is for the church. What an opportunity for the church to be unified, to not necessarily agree on every single point, but to make the love of God and a life with God the greatest thing and the unifying thing between us. I was talking to uh, my friend Wendell. Wendell, uh, Wendell may not be here. He was on our 8.30 service, but I was talking to my friend Wendell this last week, and Wendell was telling me how he gets together and he prays with these guys on the phone every single week. I had breakfast with Wendell, and he tells me this. He said, he said you know what? Sometimes we get into discussing things outside of God, politics, whatever. Sometimes the conversation gets heated. And then he says, this is what I love. He said, but our love for God and our love for one another far outweighs that. So we can disagree on this point over here, but we can come back week after week after week and pray for one another and pray for our communities because what unifies him and his friends is God. And that is vital to us. The church has an amazing opportunity in a world rife with divisions to be a safe place that is unified under the spirit of God. And let's take a look at the other pathway. And you might think, okay, let's just jump ahead, David. We know the answer. It's love other people, right? So it's like the opposite of self is to love others, right? Wrong. Again, if you jump to, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to love other people. You're gonna get it wrong because you cannot skip over what Paul does here is he doesn't bring us to others. What does he do? He brings us to the spirit. You cannot love people and I cannot love people and we cannot serve one another in our own strength 
in our own ways, in our own patience, we will get fed up with each other. We will get irritated with each other. We will get angry with one another. We can't go straight to the behavior. We've got to orient our life and our heart around walking with the Holy Spirit. And let's just take a look. Verse 16, Paul says, if I say walk by the Spirit, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we don't have to justify ourselves. The Spirit justifies us by hiding us in Christ. Praise God. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does Paul want us to do? It seems like he wants us to have a life full of the Holy Spirit, walking with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, life with the Spirit. In verse 22, what does a life with the Spirit look like? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of being led by the Holy Spirit and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit right out of the gate is love, is love. So if you want to love God well, if you want to love others well, then you have got to be in step with the Holy Spirit. We must be in step with the Holy Spirit. If you want love in its unadulterated form, if you want love in its radical, life-giving, life-spreading, intimate, exuberant, pure form, then he says, get into the love of God. Be around God. Oh, which, by the way, this is so important that we live with this reality that God loves you. That's a, listen, I know you may, be, you may have heard that a million times in your life, but it is a life-changing reality. God loves you. You woke up today and God loves you. He adores you. He created you. He, he, he is crazy about you. God is love. He's not asking us to do something that he himself is not doing. God is love. And he loves you. And I hope that today, I hope this week, that you're living in that reality, that you have a God that loves you and is for you. He loves the work he's doing in you. He has a love that will transform us. That's better than we can imagine. Tim Keller points out that it says fruit and not fruits of the Spirit. You notice that? You catch that? Points out fruit, not fruits of the Spirit. Because when we're walking in the Holy Spirit, and his work is increasing in our life. The fruit of the Spirit. Tim Keller says it's like looking, like, it's like looking at a diamond and turning it around and, and admiring all of its beauty, all of its attributes, but it's one thing. It's this beautiful diamond. All of these attributes, when we are walking with God, when we're getting full of the Holy Spirit, when we are walking with him, increasing with him, these characteristics take root in our life and begin to show I mean, it makes sense. If your love for someone increases, doesn't your patience increase? If your love for them increases, doesn't your gentleness increase with them? I mean, you could say that the eight terms that follow love are describing what love and action looks like. This is how God is towards you and I. He is love. He is a God of joy. You know that? It's kind of fun to think about. I mean, the Bible says that he had a party with the angels when you crossed the line of faith into his family. 
He's a God of joy. He is a God of peace. The disciples were out on the water, caught in a storm, thinking their boat was gonna be overturned and they're gonna lose their life and Jesus is asleep in the bottom. Not an anxious bone in his body. He is a God of peace. He's a God of kindness and goodness and gentleness. Yes, he hasn't treated us as our sin deserves. He has forgiven the unforgivable. He has turned the other cheek. He's laid down his life for his enemies. He has shown mercy. He promised he would send a savior and we have seen his promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is a faithful God who does what he says he's going to do. Amen? Amen. That's who he is. All of these things, this is who God is. And thank God, thank God that he has self-control. If he did not have self-control, we would all be smited. Like that is the truth. He wouldn't have just cleared the temple, he would have cleared the world. That's what, he has self-control. To be with the Holy Spirit is to be with God. The fruit of the Spirit is not achieved by working, it is birthed by abiding. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit isn't achieved by working, it's birthed by abiding. If you want to love others well, then you better get connected to the one who created others, who understands their pain, who understands their joy, who really, really, really knows them. Jesus was able to come and serve and give his life away to an ungrateful people because his resource was not in those around him. His resource was in the Holy Spirit. His resource was in his Father. His resource was with communing, communing with the Trinity. That was his resource. And that is the resource that the Holy Spirit has made available to you and I. How do we love like this? How do we live like this? How do we stand firm like this? We do it by loving God and abiding with him and walking with him and knowing him. I mean, what would it look like if we wholly devoted ourselves to abiding with the Holy Spirit? What if the most important thing in our life, what if our greatest priority was to get around God? Imagine being so full of the Holy Spirit that everywhere we went, every broken situation, every person who offended us, disagreed with us, rejected us, we were able, we were empowered to show them love and mercy and kindness and gentleness. I mean, wouldn't that change people? We think, I know what would change people. I'll give them a piece of my mind. No. If you were in Christ, this is your story. I was once this way, and then I I realized, I came into the understanding, my eyes were open to the reality that Jesus loved me so much that he gave his life for me. And I wasn't asking for him to, I wasn't wanting him to, in fact, I was rejecting him. I was turning my back towards him when he gave his life for me. And, that's, and that radical love changed your life, didn't it? Weren't you not the same? His love transformed us. We want to see transformation in our, in our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. We have to be full of the love of God. And we need to be showing people the love of God that transforms. Amen. We have to be abiding in the Spirit. 
Walking with the Spirit, we cannot do this in our own strength. And one thing I'm just gonna point out here is that, listen, one of the things I feel like I've, I, I've realized in my own relationships, my wife and I do this, we're doing this uh, devotional together, and uh, one of the things it talked about with our relationships is how we need to be intentional, right? Not brain rocket science, that's something, but intentionality. And when I read that word, I realized something. Sometimes I think proximity will lead to intimacy. And that's not true. You know what leads to intimacy? Intentionality. You ever sat on a couch with someone but been a million miles away from them? You have proximity, but you don't have intentionality. And it's the same working out with our relationship with God. Listen, you can be sitting in this room right now and be a million miles away mentally and emotionally and in your heart from God. You can go to prayer Wednesday morning. You can go to community group. You can have proximity and experience no life change. Proximity doesn't get you where you want to go. Intentionality does. And that's gonna be my encouragement to you. Intentionally, we want to be intentional in our relationship with God. And if he is our object of our affection, if we do love him, if we do want to be around him, if we do wanna know him, if we are living with the reality that he has more for us, he has more for you, he has more freedom for you to walk in. He has a deeper experience for you. He's not going to make you a better Christian. There's no such thing. What he's going to do is give you a deeper experience of him. He has more for us. And so what do we do? What does abiding in the spirit looks like? It looks like praying. It looks like talking to God. It looks like listening to God. It looks like communing with God. It looks like getting in his word. And here's the thing is what makes these things life-giving is our heart and our motivation, right? If we, if we do these things so that we can earn God's favor, we're dead already. These are things that God is inviting us to. Listen, the Savior, Creator, He's inviting us into a relationship with Him. And He's saying, hey, here, you can come and know me. Pray, I'll speak to you. Listen to me. You'll hear my voice. My sheep will know my voice. Be in my word. How desperately do we need God's word? I mean, we live in a world where we pick and choose the Bible verses that we like. We ignore the ones we don't. And when someone brings up an uncomfortable verse that we don't understand, we say, yeah, I don't really believe that. We pick and choose. And that is not the way of God. If we are trying to fit God into our perspective and our understanding and our way, we are going to find ourselves outside of the gospel walking down the path of flesh. When we butt up against truth and things that we do not understand from an eternal God, our instinct should not be, well, there's something wrong with him over there. There's probably something wrong with me in here. And I know there's wrestling, there's things, but we so, we so desperately need to be in his word. We need to be searching his word, reading it, getting to know God through his scripture. The Holy Spirit will come in and bring those letters on a page to life in our heart. We need people, we need community. Um, listen, again, proximity doesn't, ha this, this doesn't happen by just getting around people. We need to be vulnerable with people, and this is hard. So you can show up to community group, but, we, the, but the Bible says that, listen, you're gonna find freedom by confessing your sins to one another. We talk about crossing the line of shame. 
This is the line of shame. Line of shame is being vulnerable with our mess and our, and our sins and what the things that we don't understand, the things that we don't know, the things that we're frustrated with God about. Do you know that's okay to say that? There are things that I do not understand that I'm frustrated with God about. Now I'm gonna choose to trust him in his way because I'm me and he's God, but we get frustrated and we need community. We need to talk that out with one another. We need to be vulnerable with where we're at and God will use that community to lead us into freedom. And finally, I'm gonna say we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know, the Holy Spirit makes me uncomfortable. Well, listen, if we're gonna be about the Bible, the Bible says, Paul says, to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does abiding in the Holy Spirit look like? It, it means asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you fill me? Will you empower me? It's being intentional about that kind of language. It's about asking him to help us. God wants us to encounter and experience him. He's alive today. And he didn't leave us as orphans. He sent us the Holy Spirit to walk this life out with us so that we can increasingly walk in freedom by the Holy Spirit. That's why things like Friday night, Holy Spirit night, they're so important. Why are they so important? Because we wanna be intentional about seeking and being in the presence of God. Because it's biblical. Because we love him and we long for him and we realize that we can do nothing apart from him. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're, you know, if you're wondering even now, like, all right, am I gonna come Friday night? Let me, please, let me, just, I would just encourage you. I would encourage you to come. To come. Be intentional about being in his presence. I know it's a little late. I know we got little kids, but it's Friday night. There's no school on Saturday, okay? There's gonna be childcare. It's gonna be good. It's going to be good. If you come, I promise, if you're intentional, about saying, all right, God, I want to experience you. You're going to experience God. Because he loves, he loves, he loves, loves, loves to be with his people. Let's pray. Let's pray. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? And we're going to pray. Praying is good. We need help. I need help. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Can you just say that in your heart? Thank you for the Holy Spirit. You are so good to us, God. Your disciples didn't want to see you go, but you said it's better for me to go. Better for me to go. So I may send the Holy Spirit, the helper who will be with you to the end of ages, Lord, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We cannot do life without you. We do not want to go in our own strength. We do not wanna go in our own understanding. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you fill us again? Will you remind us of your radical love for us? Make it real in our hearts. We want to turn towards you abide in you, walk with you, make you the greatest priority. Lord, we wanna wake up every day thinking the best thing I can do today is to get around God. We just wanna be in love with you, Jesus. So help us, help us see the things that are taking and stealing our affection, our energies. Help us to see the things that we're doing in our own strength.
so that we may repent, turn away, lay those things down and walk in step with the Spirit in your name, amen.